my name is Dimitri. I'm Isabella. Alexander. I'm Zali. I'm Teddy. And I'm 23. And I'm 12, 16 years old. Almost 28,000 young people. Aged between 12 and 24. Are homeless in Australia. Earlier on any given night. Did you know that a survey of young people on youth allowance found that 9 in 10 skip meals and 1 in 3 have withdrawn their studies because of lack of funds? Did you know that 1 in 3 young people aged 15 to 24 who seek help from homelessness services identify as Indigenous? Did you know the youth unemployment rate is now at 13.9%? More than double the national average. In the spirit of reconciliation, Y Foundations acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connection to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. Welcome to the Young and Homeless podcast brought to you by Y Foundations, New South Wales peak body for youth homelessness. Y Foundation supports services who support young people who are experiencing or at risk of homelessness. My name is Pam Barker and I'm the CEO of Y Foundations and I will be your host and I'm honoured to take you on the journey while I interview passionate and dedicated human beings who want to end youth homelessness in Australia. In this podcast series, we will chat with some amazing speakers who are politicians, government workers, service providers, researchers, academics, and people with a lived experience of homelessness. We will tackle some of the important issues faced by children and young people at risk of or who are experiencing homelessness in Australia. Our podcast is launched today on Youth Homeless Matters Day with a special four-part Youth Homeless Matters Day episode. We want to explore what Youth Homeless Matters Day is all about and why youth homelessness is still such a critical issue that we should all care about today. So today I'm joined by Di Glover. Di has been the CEO of Yes Unlimited since 2000. Di has extensive experience in the youth homelessness sector, in particular in youth program development, case management, and has held a number of senior management roles within Victoria and New South Wales homelessness services sector. Currently, she is the co-chair of the Murrumbidgee District Homelessness Committee, and she, of course, is the CEO of We Said uh, Yes Unlimited. So welcome today, Di. Thank you. Thanks so much. appreciate the opportunity. Thank you for joining us. So I want to warm you up a little bit. And I want to ask you a question because we have many different viewers joining us from many different um, walks of life. What was one of your favourite things you loved to do as a young person? Oh, um, oh, that's such a long time ago, Pam. (laughs) I know. We'd love to hear about it. What what mischief did you used to get up to? What did you like to do? I liked hanging out with my friends, Mm. probably doing things that my parents weren't um, totally approving of. So I was a bit defiant and mischievous. Oh, I think we've all been there in some shape or form. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) We were all young once, right? We were all young humans. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've all gotten up to mischief. So there you go. I still do, just to say. (laughs) (laughs) It's good. You need to. You need to keep you need to keep life real, definitely, even as you get older. So any young people listening in, there you go. The older you get, it doesn't mean that you don't find life exciting. So still living the youth vibe, die. Love Absolutely. it. Absolutely, yeah. 
So you've worked in counselling, in youth program development, you've been a case manager, um, you know, you're the CEO of Yes Unlimited. What what led you to do the work you do today, Di? It all sort of happened quite by accident. It certainly wasn't planned. I landed a little part-time job um, as a administrative officer at a drug and alcohol agency soon after I had my last child. So he was only six months old and I got this job, which I just adored. It was lovely. I love the environment. I love the whole sense of giving back to the community. Um, I guess, too, I was offered lots and lots of opportunities through that small gig, um, you know, in terms of both personal development and professional development, Mm. which really led me to want more. Um, And that's when I sort of enrolled at uni and, yeah, I was a, um, I left school in, it's called year 10 now, was form four back then, that's how old Mm -hmm. I am. Um, So I really hadn't had a university education. I think I sat there with a dictionary beside me for, you know, the whole four years it took me to get through it all. So, um, yeah, that's how I kind of got into it. I had a real interest through that process of my university study in youth homelessness, I think. Yeah. When I think about it, I had some experience in as much as we had some friends whose um, children were effectively homeless. Um, and I know the struggle that my friends had in terms of why doesn't she just come home? Why doesn't yeah. he? Um, and I guess I was really curious as to why. Like, and, I, and you know, and I heard another friend sort of say they, you know, they're incentivizing young people to leave their family by offering mm. a, an income. And I thought this isn't stacking up. So that just led me down this path of discovery, if you like. And I guess from there, the you know work opportunities had just opened up in the in the, the field. So basically, my whole career in terms of the social welfare sector has been around homelessness, particularly youth homelessness. So pretty passionate about the cause. Yeah, I definitely agree. I would not um, take you as someone who's not passionate. You definitely <laughs> have a lot of years behind you um, around your personal experience, as you've said, and definitely running the organisation. And I guess that's a really nice segue to our next question, which is you have been the CEO of Yes um, Unlimited since 2000, and that's 21 years. I feel, I can't believe 2000s were 21 years ago. But, and that's definitely an amazing term to hold a CEOship and run an organisation. You must have seen some very interesting things in your time and you have done a lot of work and lots of things have changed over the years. Can you tell us a little bit about what you have observed reflecting back over that time? Uh, I started at, yes, in the role of CEO. I was like the second CEO that the organisation had. Wow. They're quite small back then. So I started on about the, I think it was the 3rd of July, 2000, beginning of a brand new financial year. Brand new tax system was being introduced, the whole GST. We ran a 24-7 youth refuge. It was staffed 24-7. So we had that team and then a small team of adolescent family counsellors and an outreach worker. Wow. A part-time admin worker. So, you know, I think my first 12 months I was answering phones, I was keeping books, I was doing lots of Very grassroots. Very grassroots. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And it has certainly changed significantly since, since then. I think as I think most people would agree, the biggest change for um, the whole homelessness sector in New South Wales was going home, staying home. Yeah. 
So I guess it was a horrid time. It was a horrid time for the whole sector. I think there's still um, people that are suffering the drama of that process. And um, at that time we were going through it because we, you know, a regional um, organisation or we were providing were um, homeless, youth homelessness and youth programs. When our package came out to us, it was massive. It was a huge geographical area, as we mm. think. Um, it was generic, so we couldn't just tender for our own services yeah. unless we partnered with other organisations, which was really, really difficult. So I guess we, we developed a model um, of centralised intake at that time, which I think was a real risk for us in terms of mm-hmm. this will either fly or it won't and that'll be the end of yes as we know it. Yeah. Um, but it flew and it's been working so well. Um, so we've grown from being a youth homelessness organisation to being the, um, you know, lead of a generic homelessness service. So yeah, um, I think that's what sustained me over the t- 12, 20 years. <laughs> yeah. It's just the changes. It's, you know, a very different organisation. And um, you've grown. Absolutely, we've grown. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I think what else sustains me in that process is the sense that we can make a difference. Mm. You know, we can be innovative. We can try new things. We can yeah. lobby. We can we can make a difference. And if, if I thought that we couldn't, then I probably would have been long gone. Hang up your hat. Yeah. <laughs> so how far does your service stretch in your region? What's the furthest to the sort of the corners, to the, the, the whole demographic, the jurisdiction you cover? So in terms of our homelessness services, we run the contract for Southern Murrumbidgee area, which runs from Albury in the sort of southeast of the state, yep. right along the Murray River corridor, down yep. to not quite as far as Bell Ranald. So that's, you know, almost to the South Australian border. So it is wow. uh, a long area. We don't cover all of that. We cover the eastern part of that region and we yep. contract to the St Vincent de Paul Society to run services in uh, their main offices in Tenelequin. They yep. take care of the, the western portion for us. So it's a reasonably sized area, but um, as I say, we share that with our subcontracted partner. Still a huge catchment. It is a huge catchment. And I think particularly what's interesting for us too, right along the Murray Corridor, is that Murray's a state border. Mm. um, We're dealing with two completely discrete systems of homelessness sector, housing sector, education, child protection. So it's, it's quite complex work, if you like, in terms of making sense of the different jurisdictions and yeah how our society yeah. works you know on one side of the river and how it works on the other wow yeah so you're essentially running two services in one some <laughs> services some services do stretch over over many states but they tend to have state-based hubs where yes. you are the service that has its foot in two places sometimes yeah there yeah. are homelessness services in victoria you know only 10 kilometers away but they're very different in terms of their design in terms of their scope in terms of yeah yeah because yeah. the victorian government funded and we're yeah <laughs> there you go so additional challenges than your average absolutely yes homeless youth homelessness support service so youth homeless matters day is a big day for our sector and it's a day of both celebrating young people's resilience um, and we tend to have a lot of celebrations internally with our young people and help them have a voice and understand that they matter. But also, too, it's quite a serious day around calling people to account and shining a light on youth homelessness. We're asking all of our interviewees, why do you think youth homelessness matters? 
because young people matter. That's kind of the bottom line. That young people now experience homelessness, I think is absolutely outrageous. As far as I'm concerned, homelessness is a perfectly solvable problem mm. if there were the will and the resources to back yeah. So I think Youth Homelessness Matters Day is super important because because it's still bloody happening 20 years on and there's no signs of, of it changing, or not quickly anyway. No, you're right. And we know that numbers are increasing in some yes. periods. And during COVID, we did have a small amount of a decrease, but we know that youth homelessness increases in other ways like couch surfing, overcrowding. Um, and we know with the rise of domestic and family violence mm. um, being a key factor, we'll see more young people homeless. So Absolutely. You're definitely right. And I know I know you probably feel this way a little bit sooner in your career journey than I, but we want to retire one day and our young <laughs> people are the next you and I. So Absolutely. in our world, our young people do matter. They should be the most important cohort that's invested in because they are the future of our society. So I definitely agree with you, Di. That's very and it's good such point. a critical stage of um, a person's life is adolescence yeah. and, you know, making the transition from being a child, a kid, dependent on your parents and your family and, you know, to becoming a, a confident, functioning adult. And, you know, when something like this happens during that critical period of time, it can be so so disruptive and it can have some really long-term consequences as well so we really need to do something we do we do and so services across our sector are facing enormous pressure and you've spoken a little bit about that around just the area and the, the you know geographical challenges you face but they're facing rising demands with no increase in funding which we something we've had since the going home staying home and all of this during a global pandemic you've had bushfires <laughs> what are some of the challenges your organization has faced and you, we were going to ask people over the last year but you guys have been hit two years in a row by quite huge global issues um, or even national issues, should I say, one being the bushfires, the second one being the pandemic. Tell us a little bit about the challenge, like what's happened for you guys? How, what's your experience been through bushfires in the pandemic? I think the biggest challenge throughout the last 12 months would probably have been the border closures. Mm. Closures, there were two of them, you know, firstly by the New South Wales state government mm. shut the border um, and then not long after that was opened, it was shut again by the Victorian. Yeah. So Albury is one community. We have one hospital called Albury Wodonga mm. Health with two campuses, one in Albury, one in Wodonga. Um, you know, so many of us like myself live in one state, work in another um, yeah, but it is one community. So you know, our headspace, for example, is based in Wodonga in Victoria. So you know, at times when um, you know young people were needing that extra support during a pandemic, um, that was impossible. No. So, yeah, um, even just um, being able to staff our refuges, mm. for example, like you know, we had to get permits to come. Wow. 5Ks across a river and, you know, people outside of the immediate vicinity, so in our outlying Victorian communities, weren't able to get to work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that was probably one of the biggest challenges for us in terms of just keep, keeping the place staffed and going, going. and providing access um, for people that needed it. Wow. And mm. I guess the bushfires hit you guys just you know, a little bit earlier, what impact did the bushfires have on the community around you? 
kind of interesting. The the bushfire didn't sort of reach, uh, it got to the outskirts of Wodonga, but it didn't reach Albury. So it was mainly the smaller communities around the, the upper Murray area in Victoria. I'm not sure that we saw a, a major impact of that, you know, in terms of our homelessness services, yep. if you like. You know, apart from having, you know, knowing people that were personally affected by it and just the impact yeah. um, that it has on communities, on families, on individuals, it's still impacting that's the thing yeah it doesn't just happen and then we get over it the trauma associated with those sorts of events are long lasting potentially yeah definitely mm. and I guess with the COVID and the bushfires have you seen a housing decline in availability as a result has it been more COVID driven I know in New South Wales here a lot of people from the city are moving back down and up the coast and we're seeing everywhere the amount of housing availability decrease quite rapidly and we knew during the bushfires too people were moving out of that area um, further south further west further north which then was taking up real estate in really low availability areas did you guys have any on flow effect with that? We're experiencing that right at the moment. I'm really concerned that there's a homelessness crisis um, Mm. just ready to explode. We're already seeing it. So there's just no rental vacancies um, available in Albury at the moment. We're seeing people that have been um, housed long-term now finding themselves in a homeless situation. Property values in our area have gone through the roof, Mm. um, as has the, the you know, private rental market. Yeah. Um, so uh, it, it's just so tough and the impact on people is just horrid. You know, we've got people that are just becoming so frustrated, so distressed because yeah. all need at the end of the day is somewhere to live. Yeah. And they just can't access it. You know, landlords that are actually winding up tenancies, putting to new carpeting and, you know, upping the rent, ridiculous that, you know, and they'll get it. They'll get yeah. they ask because there's such demand. We have heard anecdotally that, you know, some of the real estate agents have taken on a policy of not providing rental properties to people from outside of the area, i.e. the cities, because that's where we're seeing a lot of the demand, Yeah, um, which is kind of nice to know. But, you know, at the end of the day, there's no housing. And yeah. it doesn't matter how much support is available or whatever, if we can't house people, we're in a desperate situation. Definitely, definitely. Really concerned too about the, you know, the moratorium on the rent arrears. Yeah. You know, that's just really starting to impact big time. Yeah, because if you're on a low income, we know, and lots of young people are, and with the very low rates that they get paid with the youth allowance and the job seeker coming to an end. Yes. um, If you have a mounting rental payment bill, you're never going to get ahead. And um, a lot of these young people will face that and a lot of their parents and families will face it and there will be an intense impact on young people because we know financial distress can break up families and that does lead to young people becoming homeless. And I think that's a really nice segue to my next question. I was just going to ask you, what do you think some of the main reasons that young people become homeless? What are some of the misconceptions that you think people have? Um, For example, um, you know, financial distress does break up families and young people do have relationships break down and they do vote with their feet. And, um, you know, this can have quite a a traumatising impact on young people and, and their siblings. What are some of the other misconceptions um, that you see about youth homelessness? Well, that it's a choice is probably the biggest misconception. Mm-hmm. It's like, 
No, it's not a choice. Nobody chooses to be raped. Nobody chooses to be homeless. It's like same, same as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, no, you're right. Do you think it's changed over the years, these misconceptions that exist about youth homelessness? I'd like to think it has, but I think there's a, you know, one of those core fundamental beliefs that, you know, they just get a job and get on with it. You know, it's a very complex issue as far as I'm concerned. You know, even the whole how we define youth Mm. people has changed over time significantly. You know, like when I was a youth, um, you know, that my brother was sort of worried about being um, conscripted to go and fight in the Vietnam War. Yeah. At 18. Yeah. Well, it's okay for them to be men at 18 or adults at 18. Yeah. When it suits the government's exactly. purpose. Um, so I guess there's that whole extended dependence on parents financially. Yeah. Um, you know, because of the lack of employment opportunities, it's a complex one, that's for sure. And no two experiences will ever be the same. No, and you've definitely articulated that quite well, Di. You, you're very right in saying that, um, you know, young people don't choose to be homeless. They just find themselves in that predicament. And I know you're a mum and um, I'm a mum also and some of the team that work here are mums and often will say um, my young young person, my child um, at 16, 17, 18, we would never allow them to be homeless or living on their own without a family environment around them. So why would we allow that to happen with our young people in our community? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. I think too, just that, you know, that critical age I spoke about earlier where, you know, if we go back to the Erickson's theory around, um, you know, human development, it's around young people trying to find their identity. Yes. And, And that can mean, and it usually does mean, um, challenging parental values and family values and finding who am I and where I'd fit in the world. Um, and if they don't have that safety net for whatever reason, and it's, you know, no blame, no shame, it's a complex yeah. world out there, um, but if they haven't got that that place or those people to pick you up at the end of the day or to forgive, to hold you through yeah. that really tricky period of life, that can be, no. yeah, so hard. Very challenging, definitely. Mm. Yeah. What do you think we need to do to better support young people? What do you think, what what initiative or what do you think, what type of things need to exist to make things better for young people who are, are at risk of homelessness or experiencing homelessness? Early intervention services, you know, um, where, yes, is very fortunate in that we re, you know, part of a pilot that's going on at the moment around the community of schools and services model, whereby, you know, we've engaged all three public high schools here in Albury. Um, and every 12 months, we go in and, and um, survey every single student in every single year level to identify risk factors. So it's, you know, risk, uh, early indicators of homelessness, early indications of, you know, mental health issues, and early indications of disengagement from school. We know that most young people have their first experience of homelessness while they're at school. Yeah. So it's so important that we can, you know, create an environment at school where they do get held, if you like, in a sense that there's someone there, there's a person that cares, there's a system um, that can hold that young person so they don't disengage from school. Yeah, so, you know, more of those sort of early intervention um, approaches would be great. I really think, too, there needs to be some different models of accommodation for young people. 
you know, it's a big ask to, you know, I just think 16, 17-year-olds that might, um, you know, 12 months ago might have been able to get um, a private yeah. rental property. Um, but what they report back to us is a sense of isolation and loneliness when yeah. they do move into their own flat. Yes, it's exciting for five minutes, but it can be very, very lonely. Um, it can be. Yeah. It can be. And I know when I've spoken to a lot of services um, and gone out, in with doing outreach with some of the workers, a few of the young people that we have met on those journeys who have lived in isolation display quite a lot of mental health yes. um, issues and very um, uh, they're very apparent as a result of that isolation and loneliness and the re- and the effects of trauma. Obviously, you guys would see a lot of that when young people are placed independently um, and don't have that family-like environment. So therefore, um, a few of our interviewees have said things like um, supported um, youth-appropriate housing, um, yes. things like your foyer models, yes. <laughs> um, those type of developments where they create a sense of community and help young people find purpose and they can volunteer with their peers and give back and create those connections um, and all of those things we need to be very um, successful, enriched young human beings. Yes, absolutely. Um, You're definitely right in saying that um, you are part of your wider cohort in their opinion of of the need for that. And I guess you guys would struggle even more with the lack of available housing, Um, you know, not only placing young people in their own housing is challenging, but also finding head leasing properties large enough to create those home-like environments um, are very scarce or not available. We're more likely to get a um, a larger sized property and, you know, we've sort of been thinking about because we can't get access to small properties at low rentals, whether we could um, support some shared living in a yep. five-bedroom property that might have a lead tenant or something yep. like that. Um, but there's kind of issues around that too in terms of policy and, yep. you know, any more than is it three unrelated people in a house and it's considered a boarding house and then there's all these other red tape yeah. rules that apply and it's like, come on, these kids just need yeah. appropriate um, housing. Yes, <laughs> take away all of yeah. this bureaucratic bullshit. Yeah, you can, I'll let you. That's fine. <laughs> you need to be real. Um, that's totally fine. And I agree with you. I think definitely red tape does get us tangled up in being able to support young people. So I couldn't agree more with all the things you've said, Di. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and knowledge of the sector. And let us let us hope that we can raise awareness for youth homelessness and work together to help those in need Um and be able to hopefully um, end youth homelessness because you you want to retire eventually. And, you know, <laughs> I I would love to do myself out of a job, um, but we'd love young people seeing young people go into jobs um, where we don't have to have a homelessness response anymore. Homelessness is something that doesn't occur. But we'll both hold that dream, won't we, Di? We will, and, absolutely. Um, <laughs> continue the work we do. So I want to sincerely thank you so much, um, you and your team. We know that you have a team underneath you um, and without everyone that works for Yes Unlimited, you wouldn't be getting the results or young people wouldn't have the response that they um, have available to them in your region. So thank you so much um, and thank you so much for being part of the podcast today. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks so much, Pam. You're very welcome. Thanks for listening to the Young and Homeless podcast. See you next time.